A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Lea Healthcare, looking after you always. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of December. Fair usage policy applies. Welcome to Keeping the Ball on the Ground. Um, William Hill, uh, we've got a special guest, it's the one and only, Charlie Adams! <laughs> Charlie, what's happening? Nothing much, in lockdown lads, what's happening with yous? Look at that, what's he wearing? Paul Slane, what are you wearing? Kevin and Perry man! Sorry, you don't believe this, Robbie Williams has messaged again! <laughs> <laughs> Charlie boy, shows me you piss me! <laughs> hey, by the way, you're not allowed at the house, so why have you got a fishing hat on? <laughs> Charlie boy, that was Robbie who sent me that. He said, all the best, keep me entertained. What a man. Kev, what's happening, big boy? Not a lot, mate. I'm just, uh, just enjoying the sunset. It's lovely up here in Cumberland. Nice, isn't it? Is it nice in your year? Hey, it's lovely as well. Oh, what have you been doing all weekend? Sitting on the couch, getting off a limb? Aye, that, that was the first oh, priority. was uh, eating 300 fucking Easter eggs. Say, si, I'm just going to say before we go in with Charlie Ad. Oh! What you oh, said? Oh, yes, mate. He's a wee bit of that. That's for you when you're staying over next week. I, mate, as soon as I'm no word of lie, as soon as the lockdown's over, I'm... Oh, Charlie, oh, boy! Oh, look at that, Charlie! Oh, that's magic, mate. What, uh, Kev? What? What's happened to the hair? Ah, uh, going a wee bit thin, Charlie. Is it we working with these two? I think it has been, to be fair, that they're stressing me out every time Sarah Slaney go for a wee put down. It makes me a wee bit insecure, Charlie. You know how it is? I might go for one of the kind of looks you've got. I think you might need it. Why don't you just get one of Slaney's hats? <laughs> nah, mate, I've got better cap. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got this cap sent to me, right? Yeah, 
Spain and got man of the match. Don't worry about it, Scott. <laughs> yes, I love it. Hey, was that the game that got called off for the floodlights? No, no, I never. Played. I don't think I played in that one. I uh, remember we were getting beat two 0 at Hamden and we lost three two. Oh yes. I think man, I sold the pies, didn't he? Oh, there's no fucking change there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to see right now, and I'm going to make this really, really clear. For the last six months, a lot of people have ripped me off. You know, I'm going to send a woman. I ain't going nowhere. Oh, say that's a lie. I'm going to England, and I'm about to take over England. Autumn goal are ready to bombard the way doing England, and I'll tell you the first target we're going for. Dave Jones. See that we present our Simon. He is an embarrassment. He went for Graham Soonis. It was absolutely pathetic, and that's the first guy I'm going for. And not only him. Simon, there's a man who has ruined football for me. Duncan fucking Watmore. The worst winger ever to play the game. So that's the first two targets I'm coming for. Remember, How's Duncan, how's Duncan Watmore been doing that? <laughs> he's, not, he's not only a, a horrific winger, he's a horrific person. Remember when Mourinho came in and the wide players they said with the left, white, the left mid tucking in and the right midfielder tucking in on the left foot? That was because Duncan Watmore was that bad. Playing as a right midfielder, they had to change it. That man should be banned for the game. <laughs> man over. That man's not happy about him, is he? And Dave Jones, Simon, that man, he shouldn't be presenting, I'll tell you that. I think he's good slinging it, huh? I think he's absolutely he's superb. <laughs> Charlie, yeah. you've been doing 10Ks, the 5Ks, what have you been doing? You've been running to the bottom of your drive, that's about 10K, isn't it? No, I, um, to be fair, I've been training, um, just then a bit in the gym and um, going out on the bike and things like that, just trying to see and wait, hopefully something happens, but I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. It's going to be a long wait. And listen, football's in a mess at the moment, I think, and... We need it to try and sort it out quickly. Nightmare, man. Uh, right, we're going to talk about your career, Charlie. Rangers, man, like you just said before we came on, what, 20 years ago? Nearly, yeah, close to 20 years ago. I started there when I was like 15 and a half. So, yeah, over, over 16, 17 years. Been a long time, you know. Yeah, I remember, uh, see, obviously, playing, I was on the bench, and you played some ability, but was it Tommy McLean who was particularly harsh on you, Charlie? Oh, Tommy McLean used to terrorise me. Um... <laughs> Because I was remember that part of that document of um, Lou Heaven. Lou Heaven. I was part of that, wasn't I? And when I signed out with my mum and dad and Jan Dirks and things like that. And when I was playing in the youth team, I was actually I was playing well in that. And I remember one time um, coming at Murray Park and Tom McLean absolutely annihilated me. He said, "If you were chocolates on, you'd fucking eat yourself." And I was like, I was only. 16. <laughs> And and, I, and and that was it. I just went, oh, here we go. And it was just, it was tough, like growing up with them, Bomber, John Brown, John McGregor, and that. But wouldn't they change it for the world? It was great, great experience. You know what I mean? 
Do you feel like you weren't given enough bad chance at Rangers, Charlie? No, listen, I played enough games in that. I just felt that I never got a run in the team. I always played in the big games, like Celtic, Aberdeen, you know, done, going away to Dundee United Hearts. I played in the big games, but never played against, you know, the ones, St. Johnson's, Motherwell's, people that aren't regular enough, and it was frustrating. Um, but, listen, that's the way it is. When, at that time, they were bringing in people like Kevin Thompson, and they spent a few quid on players, and it was... You know, Davis was playing centre midfield, Ferguson was still there. So, listen, it was hard to get into central midfield. That's where I wanted to play. So, I played most of the time on the left on left midfield. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing worse than being a centre midfield player playing wide, is there? There is nothing worse than Graveyard shift. Fucking hopeless. I was lucky because when at that time, Nakamura was playing for Celtic. So, I always knew that if I gave him one, he was never coming back to me. So, I always tried to get Nakamura. If I can get close to him and kick him, I'd be all right, do you know what I mean? It'd be quite, it'd be, I wouldn't be one of them where you're playing against, you know, Piro or somebody like that. It's one of them, so it was, I was lucky that way. Slaney, you've, uh, you love Barry Ferguson, obviously, as your manager. Any questions for Charlie on that, young man? Charlie, I remember when I went into Clyde, I was absolutely petrified to that man. He made my ass shake every time I went in the changing room. I really want to hear what he was like in the changing room with the boys. I, I know everybody knows what he was like on the pitch. He, he was a, a true winner, just like myself, Charlie. But I want to know what he was like in, in, in the changing room if somebody had a nightmare. Just you tell me all about him, Charlie, on yourself, mate. When I was younger, Fergie was really hard on me, like, as a, as a young player. Um... And looking back, it was probably because he felt that I was good enough to, to try and make it a career in the game. But he was every pass I gave away was always on me. And it was like, because he was the icon at Rangers, it's like you always had to please him every day in training or you had to, in games. You, you know, you felt like you had the young player coming through, you had to try and pass it to him. Charlie, uh, did you think it was too much sometimes when, when he was gone for you? But listen, I, I, I see that myself now. Like, I feel like when you're talking to younger players now, you feel like, are you just talking for the sake of talking? And, you know, are you too hard on them? But you want the best for people and you want people to do their own potential and have the, the best they can in their careers. You know what I mean? So I sort of, at that time, I felt it was harsh and, you know, it was, it was tough. But looking back, I would never have changed it. But off the pitch, Fergie is unbelievable. As a guy off the pitch, Amazing, like, couldn't have done enough for you. And, you know, in the afternoons and that, we'd tell the lads, come and have a beer with the lads and all that. It was good like that, you know what I mean? What was he like running out with Charlie? Good guy beer, huh? No, he was brilliant. Fergie was brilliant like that. He would, like, after training, like, some of the lads would, because we were training in, the, in um, Mulgai, we'd nip around to, to, um, to the, the pub around the corner and we'd have a few shandies and that after training. Him, Bolly, Bob, Griggsy. Um, people like that and it was it was good do you know what I mean and he, he'd bring the younger lads a couple of young ones that had been training with the first team say come around and have a couple of beers with us and that and it was good it was good it was good cracking that and he was good off the pitch but on the pitch he just wanted to win Sai see when I was at Clyde right I, I had one training session I came in the change room and, and, and we're in the whole change room is there right and uh Fergie's got his arm with me and he's pointing to me like that. This guy's going to win us the league, right? But I was about fucking 14, 15 stone at this time. Sorry, boys. Well, what's he thought about? See, two weeks later, he took me off, right? And as I walked off, he whispered, you fat piece of shit. So that was the mindset of Fergie. Absolute hero. <laughs> Did he ever join in tuna? Oh, mate, unbelievable. I think he's, I'm sure... His ankle was grubbed, but it was unbelievable. Yeah, and ankles, sometimes I, I gave Fergie a wee bit of a hard time, not that. 
even then he was an absolute winner. Um, I remember as well something we we I don't know. If, I don't know if this will win, but I'll say it, why not? I remember with Gordon Jury's son, Juki. I can't re- I played with Juki for three years and I can't remember his first name, so I'll call him Juki. And I remember Simon that Juki was playing with a, an injury for a year. He was trying to play through it for a year. And um, he played week in, week out, and he kept saying it was his hernia. He said, My hernia's grubbed. And I remember the last game of the season, he was doing the warm-up and he came into um he came into the the, the, the physio room and said to the gaffer about Fergie, I can't play. It's um what was it he said? He said it's too sore. So he's, remember, he's played all season now for Fergie and for Clyde. And I remember Fergie went like, you fucking shite bag. And that was the end of Jukies. And I totally agree with me. Absolutely was, Simon. <laughs> oh, his dad was a good-looking boy, too. Who, Big Gordon? <laughs> he's a good player, as well. He was a good player. Gordon. Yeah, was Fergie the same as Scotland? You were, scared, you were shit scared of him as well, weren't you? What was he like uh, uh, at I was shit scared of him. It's like Charlie says, it was it was the aura that, that fucking was run about him, man. You just had this massive respect for him because he was such a good footballer. And like Charlie says, when I was away with Scotland, I wasn't worried about what the manager thought of me. I was more worried about what fucking Fergie thought of me. So uh, it was very hard to please. I, I tell a story, Cyber, we were on a plane back there an away trip one day and Fergie says, oh, sit with me at the front. So I sat down with Fergie at the front of the plane and we were just about to take off and I thought, I'll just text my, my mom to say that, so I was taking half right, as you do, you always tell your mom. And uh, Fergie says, what the fuck are you doing? I said, just texting Fergie. Get that fucking phone off and you're sitting beside me. Uh, he hit my mind, fucking Shit myself. I don't know why he, he wasn't too keen on the flying, but that was it, man. I was fucking trembling all the way back. I, think he was a, I don't think he was a good flyer. Oh, was he not? No, I think he was a nervous flyer, but... I'm just sure you could have warned me then before, Charlie, I put it my phone. <laughs> <laughs> but he was... He was, he was, he was, he was fucking, he was brilliant as a guy, and like off the pitch, on the pitch, he was just, he was an animal, wasn't he? he just wanted to win, and he was just. Charlie, would he even slaughter like the big hitters in that? Would he slaughter the big hitters as well? Was it? Um, no, not really. No, he would just. No, no, he wouldn't really know, like the boor and all that. He would, he wouldn't say nothing to them. But the younger ones, because he'd come through the ranks, I think he was really hard on the young lads. Um. But he was, listen, he was a top guy and like, you know, if you ever like, you say, going for a beer and that one, spot on, do you know what I mean? But he did call me a few quid once. We were in there, we were a pre-season with, with Alec McLeish. And he said, so we were in the night, Fernando Rickson that were there. So they had the usual spots. They were away every week, every um, every afternoon then, what they were doing. Fernando and the Greeks A and all that were, it was just laugh. So we had the night out and the young lads were on the trip. And he, um, so McLeish said to us, all right, lads, um, everybody back for 12 o'clock. Young lads got to be back at 11. So we were at about 8 o'clock or something. So we'd all have a few beers and that. And the usual one, Fergie gave it as captain. Ah, fuck it. Don't worry about the gaffer. Like, we'll just text him and say we're not coming back. And we were like, you sure? Yeah, yeah. If there's a fine, if there's a fine, we'll all pay it. The first team lads will pay it. And so I was probably getting about, I think I was on 750 quid a week at a time. So I've walked in there about, one in, the, one in the morning in the hotel lobby and, and McLeish sat in the corner pitch black nobody he went Adam two weeks wages and I was absolutely gutted so I goes <laughs> up to Bergen that next day and that saying I got fined two weeks wages so at this time there was a text going round that the manager was sat in the hotel lobby so the lads were going up like so Griegsy and uh, Bob and all they were, and I think Mo Ross and that were, they were all going up like 
uh, up through the kitchens and all that, and like they made a mess of the kitchen, up the lifts, up the stairwells and all that, and he didn't have a clue who it was. And it ended up being like the four young lads getting all the fines and, he, and made it as if, and he hammered us on. We went to Fergie and said, listen, Fergie, Gaffer's fine as two weeks' wages are. He said, don't worry, we'll sort it out. Got to the pay slips, two weeks' wages gone. I said, Fergie, like, there's nothing there for like, it took the two weeks, went, oh, it's your fault for being fucking late, wasn't it? he conned us all the time yeah lads don't worry about it and then he just shafted us for two weeks wages but nah it was great brilliant times you know what I mean amazing man what um one man that you wouldn't have went for a pint would have been Paul Gwen. that'd be fair to say that well definitely no it was because just before the news broke, he, he was running that Sahara Desert wasn't he thing and it was like all these marathons and all that and now the lads are like four so as a young lad you're thinking I'm going to go back pre-season fit um, and to be fair, I did. So I was thinking, right, after battles, we've gone in, I was thinking, right, how's this going to be? It could either be brilliant or it could be terrible. And to be fair, he was brilliant with me. I think because I'd done so well at St. Martin the season before that we got promoted and all, he gave me an opportunity. So I'd done pre-season and he had this run pre-season. I think, I think it might have been Bob that had told you on ages ago, but um, we trained in the afternoon at Murray Park and we did laps of Murray Park so you just go and run around Murray Park and he would, but he'd be at the front. So you'd have to chase him. Wow. And so like, so you've obviously got like, eventually, so you've got, so it was him, there was me, there was like, so the, the ones, Shug Hughes, um, Fergie and all that were up the front and there was obviously Bob and Griggs and the goalies not at the back and that. So they were all just like hiding and making their own routes and going different ways. And to be fair, he was good for me. He gave me an opportunity to play. I couldn't really say anything, but obviously, he had the problem with Fergie, and it escalated. And it was, it was just, it, it just gone. It went mental, you know. Slaney, can we reenact that Alex McLeish story? Can you go and turn the lights out in your room so we can see what Alex McLeish looks like in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, big egg. He's one of my favourites. Charlie, what? This is for everybody, right? See, when I know some form managers have came to Scotland and worked, right, but. I don't, even like Ronnie Dyler, when he came to Scotland, boys don't take to them. Why do you think that is? Like they, they seem to want to change the diet and stuff, and boys just don't seem to, like, Polygon was so successful with Leon, so why is it when they come to Scotland, I've seen it with other managers, well, four managers, it just doesn't seem to work. Why do you think that is? I I think is that when they come in, they just try and, you know, so si, you've had it with the canula, like, you know, it's, they come in and they try and change the whole world in the space of a day. Like, yeah. you know, they take all your privileges away from you. We had it as well at Redden at the start of the season. You know, a Portuguese manager, when I went in there, he took away ketchup, he took away other things, butter and all that. And I'm saying, but I'd eat that at home. So what's the difference between it here and eating at home? It's like, you know, at least here you can control it. And it was just like, it just went, it was just mental. And he come in like that and he went and he, and he, I think he was trying to be tough because of the drink, not drinking culture, but might have heard the lads like a drink and, and he wanted to run us, and I just think some lads, nobody likes change, do they? And when how, bad, how bad was the diet changes, Charlie? Like, what did like when? What did he get oh, in there? What did he want? Yeah, he come in, he changed it like you know the the, the ribena and that, or the Robinson juice that was on there. He changed all that, and there was salads and more salad, and there was you know it was different foods. And he, listen, he was tough, but I really enjoyed it. I was still a young lad, so when you're younger, you you sort of go with it, don't you? And the senior players, it's difficult. For, for you know to change and is that true that he found two rappers in Boydie's training shots? <laughs> There's more of that, no, this Boydie, me as well. 
<laughs> the monster munching that. But no, nah, he was. Um, I think for Boydie, everything about Boydie is he just scores goals, doesn't he? And machine. It's hard to change. Like you know, certain players are just the way they are, and you know, Boydie was doing it on Saturday. So why would you try and change it? It's different if it was affecting him. It wasn't affecting him, um, and you know, it was tough. But the senior lads, you know, they got on it straight away, and um, there was a clash, and and and, and it never worked. You know. Kevin, do you think the manager is trying to change your diet? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> 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 if you feel that fucking insecure every week, I'm like, then, am I that big? <laughs> no, joking aside, uh, managers come in, they try, to, they try to guide you to eat the right things, but I think for, that's probably the one thing in my fitness career that I didn't ever really worry about a diet. I, I always felt that because you were training every day, it didn't really matter what you would eat, as long as you were like replenished and had what you had. That I only ever really ate, say, super healthy the Friday night before a game and the morning of the match. But apart from that, I still had all the usual fucking, fucking. Because I was on my own side, I would be free bintos pies at the fucking tin because I couldn't cook. <laughs> I would be like fucking packets oh, of salt. So you, so you, so you not bother it, Kev? Like, uh, were, you not, were you not bothered? Like, because I'm, I'm a bit like, I've always been sort of, the biggest problem for me is when I get a period where I'm no playing and you're still doing the same things that you were when you're playing. Because when you're playing and you're training, you think you just eat what you want, don't you? And right. you don't, yeah. So when you don't play, you sort of, you're still getting the same mode of doing the same things and you're still eating the same, the same things. You know, we all love crisps or a bit of chocolate and that. And it adds up in the week. Do you know what I mean? If you're having that three days a week and you're not doing the same levels on a Saturday, it adds up and, and sometimes you end up putting a few pounds on and it's tough to get it off, especially the older you get, you know? I, always, I, I would agree with Charlie, but I always felt that when you did get back playing, you, you got it off quickly. You shifted it very, very quick. I mean, I bowled at the Rangers after being out for 18 months. McCoy says, I, you're not looking as sharp as I'd like. You're likely to lose a stone or two. And I was like, that's no bother. And within the space of maybe six to eight weeks, I'd lost a stone and a half. Yeah, and they felt fucking amazing. I was able to get to a size 34 waist jeans. I was fucking buzzing. I thought I was going to need to chop them out. Uh, but no, I just died. Died for me was probably the one thing I look back in my career and maybe regret that had I had a, I was never ever fat until I got to the no fat. I've never been really fat uh, in, in my well, footballing yeah. time. It was just as I got older. It's harder to recover from injuries and games and stuff because your diet's all over the place and you're waking up on a Sunday morning absolutely fucking stiff as and I'm just tucking into a wee bacon roll or a sausage and egg and whatever. What was, wait, what was stiff on a Sunday morning, Kevin? We look with stiff, si. uh, but Obviously, we had things to yeah, sort when, that out. When you play on a Saturday, uh, like on a Sunday, the first thing you think of it is like, you have bacon rolls or yes. Sunday I, I, I do that's, that's normal if you played on a Saturday you know what even if I don't play on a Saturday I still want to do it it's, that's what Sundays are all about do you know what I mean and that's why I always say at the club like even sometimes when we're at Stoke I'd say put the lads on a sausage sandwich or a bacon sandwich before training on a Sunday if we were training on a Sunday just to just to keep the spirits up really you know what I mean something different instead of eating scrambled eggs and beans or whatever they're having every day so it's, it's good like that you know what I mean there's got to be a bit of give and take isn't there See, on the canio, Charlie, when he wanted to change the diet, obviously, same as you, nay butter, and he stood up and he said this, and after the Vita told us this morning, I told the boys, his words were, lads, you're not allowed to drink milk. He said, you should only drink milk from your mummy's titties when you're a wee baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
not a bad compliment. Is it? <laughs> so, Lenny, what about you? Were you big on the diet, young man? Because your diet is a pawn. Well, Sai, that's what I'm saying. I can, we used to always get talked for a young age, don't eat anything, but my skin used to always get away, Sai. I used to eat bags of sweets all the time when I came in, my face was covered in spots, so the manager always knew, mate, that I was eating sweets after sweets, mate, so my face gave it away all the time. It was absolutely devastating because I loved eating yeah, sweets every day. But you know, like, like with the amount of cans of Monster Nut you drink plenty, do you think, does that, now because you're no plenty, do you no bother, or do you still try and keep yourself fit? No, Charlie, I'm I'm nothing but a slob now, and um, I just love I just love the, the amount of sugar I, I I take is unbelievable. For my breakfast this morning, no word to lie, I've had a can of brew and three crunchy bars. It's absolutely nervous, <laughs> and I am about five seconds away from hitting a dip and crashing crashing down. That's the, way, that's the way I live my life, Charlie boy. I've got to live like that. The sugar rush will get me right up, and then when it hits me down, I I'll fall down to pieces and into a wee ball, and I do not know where I'm going right now with this. Oh, Sweeney, shows your six pack. Let's see it. How's it looking? <laughs> yeah, would you say that Paul Le Guin was the second worst Paul to take part in SPL history? Who's that? Paul Le Guin. Would you say he's the second worst Paul to ever take part in the SPL? Great. Paul Hartley was the worst. He was a shambles. <laughs> 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 Charlie, what was the story that broke the back for Paul Gwen? Was it the Fergie fallout of her? Yeah, that, that killed him. To be fair, we had a few bad results and I think coming in and uh, I mean, Fergie had a disagreement going on. I remember I was sat in the dressing room uh, when he came in with, you know, after he pulled him in the, the, the office and and everybody was just sat there and Fergie got black bags and he was just getting his boots together and he said, ah, I'm not playing anymore, I'm off. And everybody was like, what? He went, ah, the gaffer's pulled me in. And I felt sorry for Gavin Ray because he got a lot of pressure because of then the manager pulled him and said, by the way, you're going to be the captain. So I think it was unfair on Gav, do you know what I mean? And Fergie just disappeared. And yeah, it was always going to be, there was always, for me, there was always going to be one winner. And uh, David Murray had eventually ended up getting rid of the manager. You what know? was the biggest shock, Charlie, that he fell out with Fergie and that he'd make Gavin Ray captain? <laughs> Everybody was <laughs> with Fergie. But no, I just think, I just think he, he probably could have handled it better. And to be fair, when I was playing the Premier League you know, over the last few years, now, I've seen Paul Le Guin at Dane Games and things like that. And he's, he's always been brand new, me and great. So, listen, I couldn't. I think he gave me an opportunity at Rangers that you know, I'd never, probably never have got. So, I owe him a lot for that. But it was just, let's say, losing your captain. It was, it was, yeah, it was strange. See, when you look back on the career you've had, Charlie, and what you've done, do you think that you were good enough to play in that Rangers team every week? Um, at the time, mate, listen, at the time I was probably too inconsistent as in, you know, I'd try and play too many long passes or I'd try that, that hard pass. Listen, I've done it on my career and, you know, you always take, you've got to stick and you've got to take the criticism if it doesn't come off. But I always feel that, you know, if I do try something, it'll come off and, you know, you might get a goal at it or whatever. But listen, to please Rangers fans, it's tough, but you've got to try and have a, you know, you've got to have thick skin and I felt that I, I could have handled it and... Get an opportunity. Yeah, I'd love to have played more, but it is what it is, you know. Talking of thick skin, Kev, have you ever had Walter Smith? Do you know what? I've never actually met Walter Smith. You've never met him? No, I only, only when he played against Rangers would he be on the touchline, but I've never been in his company uh, where I've actually had a conversation with a guy. I've Mate, do you remember his interview with Kit Young? Ah, yeah. I'd be Archie Knox in the tunnel. Oh, it's fucking genius, isn't it? I would ram up in the ass. Archie, you can't listen up. You can't. 
We shit young must have been absolutely <laughs> shaking. No, he wasn't there when I uh, were Walter No, He was I think he was at Aberdeen in that at the time. Um but Archie I've met Archie a few times over the years and um you know, Durante speaks a lot highly of him, and they all, listen. They all that nine in a row team. They they're massive together. Do you know what I mean? But and he's he, he's an all Archie's. You know, speak to Archie about football. It's, it's incredible. He knows everything. He's he's probably maybe be he is an unbelievable guy, but a coach is very good coach as well. You know. See, just on Walter Smith. The reason I'm asking is I seen you tweeting Tom the other day when you were keeping the ball off Celtic, and you did an all yeah. class. Did Walter Smith hammer you after the game for it? Hammered or like come in. Put the tactics board, crucified me. So I don't know if you've ever been in the dressing room at Ibrox where the first team yeah. dressing walk in, big square. So I'm sat three away from Fergie and we obviously won the game and everybody's celebrating, buzzing beat Celtic and all that. And he come in and he went, you, you can't. You think you're a player, do you? And I was like, what? He went, these no-look passes thinking you're a player. He says, we're Rangers. You know, we don't take the piss of anybody. And I was like, ah, but... He was angry and he kicked the board, tacked his board and everything. He destroyed me and I was like, I thought I was brilliant as well in the day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> come from one minute, I was like, so high. And the next minute he come through and he crucified me. But listen, it is what it is and it's a learning curve. You know what I mean? And I, Charlie, was he the scariest manager you've ever had? Walter Smith? Nah, Craig Levine. Was he? Was he? Oh, he, ha- he was an old one that hammered me. Matt, you know, with a Scotland cap, I got <laughs> absolutely... A- Battered from him one night against um, against Spain in Spain. We were getting beat two 0 Come in and at half time he went berserk. He went, "You might never play for this country again." And I was like, oh "He was, Craig Levine was unbelievable." But I love I, I I really like Craig Levine. Like I know he's hard and all that, but I like a manager to be honest and open. And it didn't matter if you played for Liverpool or you played for for St. Mun. You know, everybody should be treated the same when you're away with Scotland. And that's how I felt he was. He was brilliant. That you know what I mean. Wow, what about that with Levine, eh? Did you have Levine I'll tell you. Uh, hey, Simon, needing somebody to fucking give some Craig Levine scary stories, surely. He must be the next fucking target. Uh, yeah, there's somebody, some, somebody out there has got loads of Craig Levine stories. He's, he, he's mental. I'll tell you, he has not scared him. Mikey Stewart. <laughs> Mate, Mikey Stewart's going to box the lungs off him. Did you see him no. in that punch bag? <laughs> oh, by the way, Levine's meant to be proper hard, isn't he? Oh, yes, that, like... People have told me stories about him, like, knocking people clean out in the tunnel and all that. Wow. Like, back in the day, like, mental. Mental, but great great guy, like, you know, it's, no, nah, I really enjoyed, like, when he was at Scotland. Charlie, was, was he ever horny in the changing room? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to be that way, didn't he, so... Charlie, sometimes I always, it always comes across me the angry ones are the, the ones you need to watch. And I see that the other day, I believe Craig Levine's another one that will roll at a bear when he comes. So I don't want to get into all that. Roar like him. I think he's in an hour, dude. Would Coisty be mum, Charlie? See, if Walter Smith came you, would Coisty then come up to you and be the good guy? Or would, would Coisty cane you as well? I sort of had a love, no love-hate relationship because yeah, Koisty's Koisty, and he's like you, you love him and that, and he's and he's brilliant for whatever he, whatever he does. Now. But the reason, going to the story later on about the youth cup final, the reason I got injured was I tried to smash him in a boxer, you know, like I smash Ali McCoist. 
smashed. I tried to smash them. Right? Ask any of the lads and they'll tell you, Kenny Miller or not, they'll tell you. We're playing little boxes, 7v2 and that. And Coyce used to wind you up and that, try and make you and all that. And I said to the lads one day, I'm going to have him in the box. And he went, no, you won't. So eventually there was this one, just six weeks before the Youth Cup final, I said, I'm going to have him. So I went to, I went to get him. And uh, I ended up doing my knee. And um, oh, I was in pieces. So I was close to, obviously, when it came out, I was going to miss all the rest of the season, miss the Youth Cup final. But that was the reason I done my knee because I, I overwent, overstretched for him. I tried to take him out and I missed him. And uh, I ended up on a, I ended up on a stretcher going past Murray Park and that. And he was like, oh, I was, I was in tears crying, thinking that's my season over and that. And he's like fucking laughing and joking and that. And I was thinking, if you knew that I was just trying to get you, you'd be laughing and joking. But Koisty, he's a great guy, you know what I mean? It's funny. So then are you going to take Koisty's title in the media, I think? Oh, mate, he's my... He's a, he is, he's an absolute darling, isn't he? Everybody just loves him. But what, what I would tell, is there any funny stories with McCoy, like when you were there, any eating they done or any wee pranks you could tell us about? Because I'm obsessed with the man. Coisty. The thing is, he never like, the big thing about Coisty is he wants to be, he was everybody's mate, wasn't he? So assistant manager, so him, Griggs, Kenny Miller, Pip the physio, they'd all sit and play hearts every week on the bus and all you could hear is Greg say, Coisty, all shouting and who's won and I've got the best hand and all that. And Coisty was just, he was just a laugh and a joke and that, but no, it was no really any pranks or, or anything like that. He was... He's one-liners, isn't it? Yeah, he's just his one-liners. He always kept the, the, the group going, him and, him and Kenny McDowell, you know Kenny well, don't you, Si? So, you know. just, yeah, it was just brilliant. I thought Kenny as a coach was brilliant as a guy as well was, was different class, so... No, they were they, they were a good group together with Durante as well. So it was that was it was fun, you know. But no, there was no no stories really. But Charlie, see see when McCoy became the manager, did you think he could be the manager, the number one? I I thought it was going to be hard for him because of he had all the lads in the dressing room as the assistant manager. Um, he was more of like a mate to the lads, you know what I mean, and having a laugh and a joke. And I think sometimes as a manager, you've got to cross that line and say, listen, I need to be serious at some point. And I don't think Koisty can be serious. Do you know what I mean? The way he is. It's just his nature. But he, um, listen, he done a job that what Rangers were meant to do. They went and, went and got back up the leagues and he done that. And um, in the end, I think just, you know, he had to walk away with everything that was going off, off the pitch, you know. See, Kenny McDowell, Charlie, when we were in the reserves, we were training one day and uh, the first team were training next to us and big, the first team had finished and Big Sutty came over and he was standing for like two or three minutes watching training. And he shouts, Oh, Ken! And Kenny McDowell stops training and looks over. He says, what is it, big man? He says, you're fucking wasting your time with that lot. There's shit. None of them will make it. And Kenny <laughs> McDowell goes, ah, do you know what? You're probably fucking right, sort of in these good lads. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what coaches were like. Coaches banter and that was like coisty. Like, Amazing, man. You know, I knew Kenny, obviously, from when I was... I, um, and I used to be play, I used to play for Celtic at under-14 level. Um, so I was in with, like, Paul Lawson... Ross, Ross Wallace and people like that, Marsh and you know, so I'd, I'd played with him for a year, and then um, so obviously Kenny was in and around it, but he was just he was good. Kenny he was good, coach, very good coach, but no, he's a good guy. Charlie, was Gardine about? Sorry, Slaney. No, 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 it's okay. No, I, I never. I, no, Midge was um, younger than me, wasn't he? Yeah. So, but, but no, I remember always. I remember people ask me, but remember when you got Lockie Parton to Michonne and that. Yeah. So, I, so we all used to go up there. It was I was telling people all day, you wouldn't realise how like we had nothing. All we had was a fence with that little box, wasn't it, above the, the door, and we'd just try and shoot that shooting practice and that. And Fozzie and that were just Fozzie was just stronger and bigger than everybody else, wasn't he? He used to just bully us all. But 
The standard was a joke to me. It was unbelievable. Me, you, Fifey, Ross Wallace, Fozzie, and uh, it was just it was brilliant. Gardine, it was um, that was good. Uh, was it hard? You pick up final? Was it um, hard missing out? We we uh, told you wouldn't be starting. When when I got the injury and coming back, I obviously I'd been in Fiorentina for the I think it was the semi final Fiorentina, wasn't it? And, yeah. Uh, I just come off crutches then, and I didn't think I was going to be fit for the final, but I made it, and I was on the bench. So I was actually buzzing. I was on the bench, but when you get involved in the obviously sat on the bench and everybody's at the game, mum and dad, sister, brothers, and all, I was thinking. I might, get, I might get on because I'd played quite a, a lot of the Champions League games and the UEFA Cup games as well. So I was thinking I might get on in that. But he made, listen, he made the subs and he brought Boyd on Nacho and, and Lee McCulloch on. So listen, it was disappointing not to, to get it, but it was um, no, it was great to, to be was there. He, what's he like on the side, Charlie? See, when you're a sub and you're what, does Watersmith go off? He's not on the side, is he quite calm? No, he, he is quite calm, but he used to, when, when the first half, he used to sit upstairs, didn't he? I remember that. He and, then he, and he'd come down at like half time, and then the second half, he'd watch from, from the side. But he, listen, he'd, he'd go mental on the touchline, but in the dressing room, if he wasn't happy, he'd say what he wasn't happy about. It was, didn't matter who it was, if it was Fergie or it was, it was uh, you know, Nacho or anybody, he'd have a go. I think the only one he would Charlie, tell me if you get story. The only, I think probably the only one he wouldn't really have to go at would be Pedro Mendes. He loved Pedro. Like, what a player! He was his main man. They used to love him. Pedro, Geranti, Coiste and that, they used to love Pedro. He was quality. Like, but him and Dave were the only two I don't think he, I, I've ever had water shout about. Everybody else, he'd, he'd hammer them, you know what I mean? But in a good way, do you know what I mean? If they wouldn't pull on the weight, it was good. But see, when you hear their names like Pedro Mendes, Steve Davis, Barry Ferguson, trying to get in the head of them is fucking tough, man. It is really tough, but like I was lucky growing up and, you know, when I was 15, 16, going and getting into Murray Park and being full-time, I always had a thing where you talk about going up to the gym at Celtic Park and that. Well, when I was used to finish, we used to train earlier on the first team. So when I was younger, I used to run, get in from training. I used to get in the gym, no day in the gym work, as you can see, and I'd go and sit and watch the first team training. Um, and... Like, everybody would be like, ah, in the gym and all that and doing whatever they're doing. But I would always go and sit and watch first team. So at the time, when I first went to Adzikat, I was manager and then it was McLeish. So I'd be watching, like, De Boer and Arteta when he was really young, coming on loan from um, PSG, uh, of Barcelona, sorry, Rex and Avaladze, all of them. And I'd just watch the train, see how they trained and, and just try and take things for them. And then the coaches used to come in and say, oh, you're always in here, get out of here and that. And say, what are you doing? Like, you always want to be around the first team. So when I was young, I always want to be around the first team. Do you know what I mean? In Jimmy Bell's room, kit room all the time, you know, having a banter with him. But I just wanted to learn and try and be around the first team because at the end of the day, I wanted to be there to get there. And that's how, how lucky, even like when they played Dundee and Dundee United, I would go and help with the hampers and the kits and the boots and that just to be around the first team and, and just trying to learn the best things from them, you know, and it was, it was brilliant. KFC, your Jimmy Bell story went viral, didn't it? Oh, it went mental, didn't it? That's fucking... Uh, you're coming from there a bit, eh? What, with the shorts? Did you see that? I know, it's fucking shocking. There's no way Jimmy Bell's ever sent a text message in his fucking life. So <laughs> I see the top of the screen dropped out. So for Josh Windass to come for me, that's me and Josh Windass finished. He can go fuck oh, himself. Did you see the picture of Windass at Rollerblading the other day? Ah, fuck. Mate, he, he needs to get a life, that boy. He told I me can't believe he's before. on before me. I know. Charlie, I'm, I'm actually thinking that we need to delete Josh Windass's uh, interview off the archives. The guy's a fucking joke. He's an embarrassment. Me and him's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
Slaney's British. Me and him fucking done. He's trying oh, to I, think the, I think your man Slaney put him up to it by the way. He's got a bit of 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 a bit <laughs> uh, Charlie, just you have a cup final again. Looking back, do you feel like you should have got on? Obviously, the type of player you are, set nah. pieces could have been going Yeah, you do. You always think when you're sat on the bench, you always think you're the one that could change the game, do you? So, to, to be able to get an opportunity in a youth cup final, you know, you never know what, what would happen. But we got back with that. The night setting it were unbelievable, weren't they? Oh, what a teammate. Who was the Ukrainian boy sent on the pitch? Timoshek, Ar- Arshavin, Rickson played. Uh, they were. Brilliant, weren't they? The goalie from, uh, is it, what was it called? I can't remember. Right, Charlie, you leave Rangers. Was it a sad day leaving Rangers? It was tough because I'd been there six years growing up, but, you know, obviously coming through the academy there and playing the first team, it was tough to leave. And, I, you know, when I always, one thing that sticks in my mind is David Murray once said to me, when you leave Rangers, it's a step backwards. And I always, that always stuck with me, you know. Sometimes you need a disappointment in your life to, take a step backwards to, to come again, do you know what I mean? And that's what I tried to do when I went to Blackpool. And lucky for me, it, it worked out, you know. Yeah, were you sad when you left Rangers in all seriousness? No. <laughs> no, and that's not being, like, disrespectful towards Rangers. It's just, I, I had, um, I didn't have the greatest time at Rangers that I would like to have hoped. I, I had expectations of having the year that I had try and score some goals, do quite well, get another year and then just try and get a year to year and then maybe try and help lead them back to the to the Premier League at the time. But unfortunately, I got an injury halfway through my time at Rangers and, and that kind of put the end to my career. So I was kind of satisfied to kind of leave because I just it was just one bad injury after another and I just wanted to get away and it made me... I, I, had, a, I had a great experience of having to say that I fucking played for Glasgow Rangers, you know. I've, I've drove by Ibrox many a time with the kids in the car and said, I've played in there. And it's a great thing to say, you know what I mean? It's um, We all know my I background side, but I, I fucking couple, sad to leave. Why don't you do a couple of weeks there with Defoe done and just turn up at the door and say, listen, can I go and stand on the pitch and kiss the grass and that again? <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'd rather... Uh, no, I, I'm not that keen to go back to Ibrox and Harry. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's nothing against Rangers whatsoever, but it's just it was what it was. It'll be on my CV, and it's a part of my career that I'm never ashamed about. Um, I just why, wish it had maybe been a bit better. Why is Defoe doing that? He's a 35 year old man. What's he doing? What is he wanting the fans to love him? No, I just think he's it's... nearly a bad. On you go, Charlie. You fire on. I just think, like, when he probably first signed, you know, the lads in England don't realise how big Rangers and Celtic are. These are world wide clubs, you know, everybody disses Reigns and Celtic as the league's pish, you know, and that, but when really the clubs are humongous and, you know, they're bigger than as big a clubs in the, in, in the English Premier League. Um, it's just because of the league they're playing and everybody thinks oh, it's, it's easy. You know, it's no, it's no easy playing in Scotland. It's tough. You know, every game's a battle. Um, I don't know, obviously I've not been there a few years now, so I wouldn't, if the standards dropped for that, but when I was playing, it was a tough team. Like your mother was in Kilmarnock's and that. They were tough games, you know what I mean? And, Charlie, know, is there more pressure playing for Rangers or Liverpool? There you go, there's a question. Uh, no, I think, I think there's pressure playing for both. I think there's, um, you know, when you play at big clubs, there's pressure. It doesn't matter if it's Rangers, Celtic, Man United, 
you know, these big clubs need to win every game. They need you need to be the best. They need the best players to be playing there. Um, and if you don't, if you don't win every week, you know, everybody thinks you're not good enough. And you know, that's the thing about these big clubs. You need to win every week because they want to win trophies. Oh, by the way, what about the Al Pacino T-shirt there? Let's see that. You talking to me? Is that what he says? You talking to me? <laughs> I don't even know if that's him, is it? <laughs> oh, he's a Scarface impression. Oh, no, you are Scarface, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, my, dad, my dad does that. See, every time he's drunk, he does a Tony Montana impersonation, eh? No, what does he say? What does he always comes in and says? That is what he says. He always comes in and says, Mama, are you talking to me? <laughs> Right, Charlie, why did you go to Blackpool? I was a bit short, I'll be honest. I was a bit short you went to Blackpool. Um, I only went to Blackpool because at the time I was going to go to Preston. Preston wanted, uh, wanted me to go. Alan Irvin was the manager there. And um, it was, when I was at Rangers, they said it was half a million quid to go. And at the time, I'd be, obviously been on loan at Blackpool. And at the time, we knew that the Oysters wouldn't pay the 500 grand. Um, we felt it was going to be too much. And Alan Irvin was saying, we can only pay 400 grand to Preston. And I said, right, okay, I was going to go because they had like Ross Wallace and all that were all there and a few Scottish lads. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll go there and no problem. And uh, obviously, turn out of the blue, got a phone call from me and all of said, listen, Blackpool have um, said they'll pay the 500 grand and do you want to come? I said, yeah, all right, okay. So I went back there and, and I signed and had a chat with Ollie and just said that, you know, if you do come, you know, I'll... Um, you know, try and get you in the Premier League because I think that's where you should be playing. And I, I went for it, and and it went and it happened. You know, Ian Holloway, Ken, what a hero! So he's uh, he's the one manager I think in my my time as a footballer that I never ever got to meet, but I would love to have worked under him. Like the, apart from the personality and the character, apparently he's a great coach and a great footballer man. So unbelievable! I, I, like, I like some of his interviews. Done. I like I like the fact that he succeeded in football after playing. Um, I think he deserved that. So no, Charlie's going to obviously fill us in with a few. Uh, hopefully, some entertaining Ian Holloway stories. Charlie. Every day was entertaining with him. That was the problem. Right. Ah, uh, just like when when obviously when I went there, it was always one of these. Whereas Jekyll and I, one minute he could be high as a kite, the next minute he could be as low as a snake's belly. So it's how you get him in the day. And uh, we we'd go in, and I don't know. That sounds like Sandiano by you. <laughs> You must be drinking too many monitors, that boy. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's no, but uh, I think he's got three kids and, and, and they're deaf. You know that they're deaf? Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah, so three kids are deaf and um, he had this philosophy that he's going to change football and like, you know, he'd be watching Swansea play in Barcelona and Real Madrid and he's just going to put them all together and that's how we we're going to play. So we'd go and train in some days and like, We'd go in at nine o'clock, half nine, and we'd no be training at twelve o'clock, and we'd still be talking about meetings, like about his kids and you know about life and what's going on in the news, and and we hadn't even talked about football. He just like for two hours we'd just have a meeting on nothing really, and the lads would be sat there thinking, oh, what is going on here? Like, so eventually we'd go out and train, and you talk about like you know we're going to having a freedom of playing that, but we had a structure and how we wanted to play, and everything was just you know. If one of the fullbacks got the ball, I had to be in a certain position to, to switch the play, and the other winger had to stay high and wasn't didn't he need to track back and things like that. So it was we had a, a philosophy how we wanted to play. But then we'd come back in for training, and we'd he'd, 
just set another meeting up for no reason. And we just start talking about something else that had gone on during the session. And he would just rab it on. And it was like two, three o'clock before lads were leaving training ground. And half the time was probably over nothing. Do you know what I mean? But going, going into the games and that, you, you knew what you were talking about. He had a way of playing. And we were just lucky that at the time we had some good players that, you know, were, were, were happy to, to, to be playing. And, and the thing about Blackpool is, I think everybody's played for Blackpool at some point in their career, and that's the thing. About, that was the the thing that they had. Anybody that was at a contract knew they'd get a, get they'd get a club and they'd, get, they'd end up at Blackpool because they'd sign anybody. Do you know what I mean? You know, it didn't matter who you were. They'd sign. Funny you say that, Charlie. See, uh, see, when I was at Coventry two thousand nine, and I was leaving, guess who came in for me? Back in Blackpool. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, everybody <laughs> at some point Blackpool wanted to sign them just because at that time the man, the owner. Didn't care. Just wanted to sign players, and would be. It doesn't matter what you've done in the back past or whatever. You just sign the sign players. So, listen. It was that type of club, and over the years, it's changed now. But it's um, now nah, it was a great time, and uh, we had a story one time that we'd come in, and um, he said, "Right, lads, we're not training today." And I was like, oh, "Fuck, no again." Do you know what I mean? So we'd go in. And he'd say, right, lads, we're watching a movie. So where we used to train was like Fire Rugby Club. So we'd go upstairs, we'd sit and watch movie, and there was popcorn and that, everything like that. We'd go upstairs and we'd sit and watch Court, Coach Carter. So it last two and a half hours, this film. And at the end of it, at the end of it, the lads have watched it and they're thinking, oh, yeah, okay, bro, we finished and that. He switched the light on in tears, crying his eyes out, like, <laughs> like saying, lads, this is what it means to you, you know, this is what football means to you, this is how we should be, and this is how I am as a coach, and this is what he's all mean to me. He's my, you know, I want the best for you. And he's rolling and crying, and all, and other lads are like, fuck, you know, no again, all age, you know what I mean? But he was just, he was just, he was amazing. And to, to be fair, we all speak now, we're in a group chat together, so we, we, he pops up now and then. Yeah, so we, 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 played, we had Christmas Day off and um, we got told to meet the hotel at Derby and we didn't know the team. And we were having pre-match and he said, right lads, um, if, he's, um, if you go in there, there's a teddy bear in the formation, that's the formation. And if your name's underneath the teddy bear, you're playing. If you know the rest, he's a subs. So we'd all, we'd all go in this room, look, check, check. He's like, ah, right, okay. So, no, this is what he said. He said, right, lads, and if you've got your names there with a the teddy bear, make sure you take the teddy bear to the game with you. So we had to pick the teddy bears up, take them on the busways and sit them beside us at the game at Derby. We won the game 2-0 and that, and it was just, it was just things like that. It was brilliant, you know what I mean? But his missus, oh, used to come the coach. his missus used to come everywhere with him on the coach. So, like, home games, away game on the coach, she'd be there every week, and that oh, was brilliant. Was well, Yeah, sorry, Slade. Did you ever play a game... Play against any Holloway's team side? Nah, I don't think so, mate. Don't think so. <laughs> he was probably like talk a bit like we Kev and that. Like obviously it was in the championship, but he we played majority of the time because we're Blackpool. We're going like Portsmouth or we're going away, away journeys. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
no matter what, we'd stop fish and chips, beers on the bus, like, every week. Like, he loved it. We, we'd beat Black, we beat Plymouth near the end of the season to get to the playoffs. And um, we stopped off at this little spa next to the stadium, and there was fans everywhere. And he just traipsed all the lads in there, and he said, right, lads, get over here. So lads were walking out, crates of Budweiser, Stellas, and all that. And we, honestly, we were falling off the bus. We went straight to Sanook in Blackpool in the town centre, and the lads were just, Honestly, twice a month, the lads would be straight off the bus into town uh, twice a month uh, on away trips. It was brilliant. And would he come out with you, Charlie? Uh, nah, he wouldn't really come out with us. We'd have, like, so, like, days, instead of training some days, we'd just end up in, we'd go to the casino and we'd play cards or we'd play poker and that instead of training. Um, oh, and then, or we'd just go and train on the beach one day just because we couldn't train on the pitches. And he was just, just always thinking, do you know what I mean? He was just trying to keep the spirit of the lads and, Going on, spirit is massive for me. I think if, he, if you've got a good team spirit, it's half the battle, you know. Danny Wilson, it's when we used to do that, just cancel training, we go for a walk, bacon rolls, oh, then I'd be by the lake, and he's like, right, every cunt in the lake, and all I need to jump in the lake, and then like, fucking walk home, Sultan, man. I used yeah, to love stuff like that. Yeah, it's team bonding, isn't it? Uh, we, let's say once, once a month or something, we say no training day, lads. We walk to the cafe, right? So all the, the workers and that road workers and the electrician that were in the cafe and we'd all walk in 25 of us just walk in fry ups and all that cups of coffee and that and tea and then we'd go back and we'd do the team for the weekend and that and he would just and even on a Friday he wouldn't care this would be a Friday and we'd go in and just like go and have a fry up and that in the games but it was just we were just lucky at work did, did you tell me you got McDonald's on a Friday as well do you know you used to get McDonald's oh yeah we'd um so sometimes we'd, obviously, after training, the food was horrendous at the training ground, right? So we'd come in and honestly, we had this lasagna and there was more oil on the lasagna than there was lasagna. It was disgusting, the food, right? So, Liza, we're not eating that. So by the time we got onto the bus at the, the stadium, Matt Williams was the club secretary and that. So he'd go and get like KFC or McDonald's and that. The lads would have that on a Friday going to away games, eating KFC and that. And it was just... In the, in the Premier League? In the, in the Premier League and also in the Championship. Wow. That's amazing, that. That is tremendous, man. I don't think that happens at all anymore. It doesn't. Because I used to, like, when I first signed for Blackpool, and I met, met my missus, and I wasn't driving at the time, so she used to drive me to training, and I, and I used to have, like, go to McDonald's on the way to training, like, porridge and sausage and muffins and all that, and egg McMuffins and everything like that, in the championship. And honestly, I just played and enjoyed it, and it was like, it worked, you know what I mean? And lads, ah, it was brilliant. We just had a great school with darts and pool and, Ah, the, the training, honestly. If they blow the training ground up, it would probably look better. <laughs> would, you, would you just go like, to the proper, like, dirty, naughty parts of Blackpool? Because it is quite pure touristy, isn't it? Ah, uh, this time of year, normally we'd go in, like, it's called the scum run. So basically, you start at one end of the prom and you'd go in every boozer down the, down right down Blackpool. So that would have been this weekend as well, bank, Easter weekend, bank holiday. We would have been doing that if it was, um, if it was open. Well, was Seamus Coleman there, Charlie? Seamus signed... Um, uh, Seamus signed, yeah, Seamus signed that summer as well for Everton. He was he was brilliant. Just young lad coming from Ireland. Um, obviously, Everton signed fifty grand David Moyes, and we got him on loan. And he come in, and he was just he was brilliant. But like I say, talk about it, having nights out and that. The lads, even like on Sunday, we'd go and watch Super Sunday. Um, and I don't know if you've been to Lytham. We'd go to Lytham quite a bit. Um, and oh, Lytham's lovely. Yeah, so we go and sit in the boozer in there and have a few pints and. And at the time, we signed Andy Reid in the Premier League. And, he, you know, he's good in the guitar, Andy Reid. 
so he so he'd go and his missus would drop his guitar off at like six o'clock after all the Fitbit thing, and he'd have a, he'd have like a sing song for all the lads and all the customers in the bar, and we'd all be singing Oasis and all. That. It was just it was brilliant. But the lads just they got on really well. Do you know what I mean? Slightly, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds unbelievable. I mean, I genuinely think I would have excelled in a team like that. That would have been fucking amazing. Eh? You'd have actually been buzzing every day you went to training and ha- have a laugh with the boys. But so, like, that sounds magic, mate. No, it was. But, Slaney, even like when you were younger, when your mother well or Celtic, you know, you used to go like trash on a Tuesday and things like that. Well, Charlie, see, this is, this is incredible. See, when I was at Motherwell, it was like a family, right? And we would good night suit, and it was just, it was amazing. It was generally like a family, we'd have a laugh. But when I went to Celtic, that totally changed. Yeah. I think it's, it like, it's no professionalism. It's just like, I think there's different cultures and different people in it. Uh, there's a lot of boys came from, like, obviously, different countries and that, and they didn't have a clue what I was trying to say. So I, I absolutely loved my time at Motherwell. And that's what I'm saying. That it was, I actually think that was when I was at my best. When I was comfortable in a changing room, it was like a family. When I went to Celtic, you had four foreigners in the corner, hated my guts, and it just was never going to work. Oh, do you want to make the announcement on Seamus Coleman? Put pressure on him, Slade. Well, darling, we're about to go down to the Everton Training Centre to meet Big Dunk and Seamus Coleman, aren't we, Kevin? We should. Our Paul, Seamus Coleman, I heard uh, by the text that we're forwarded on, is a big fan of the show. But he says we've been going on the news a wee bit sceptical of coming on speaking to the slain dog. So we will just put him at ease and just say the slain dog will take it easy on him. So yeah, Seamus... Seamus Coleman actually said he was scared the Ah, He's a great lad. You, you know, he'll have a few good stories and that. Um, he is a great lad. But can you imagine if you... Don't upset Big Dunk now. Oh, Have you met him, Charlie? Uh, only... He, he, was, he was young, like... Obviously, I've heard the stories about... My dad used to speak about him a lot when he was youngster and said he was untouchable. He was unbelievable as a player and that. But everybody, I'd obviously known from playing at Ever- against Everton and things like that. And he's meant to be a right gentleman, do you know what I mean? And he's a top guy, but he'll have a few stories over the years because he'll be able to go into what happened at Rangers and everything else, you know what I mean? But you don't want to burgle his house either, do you? How good would that be? Mate, imagine, imagine we were doing a podcast, right, doing the training centre, and while he was talking, I just ran around and jumped his back and started choking him. <laughs> why, why don't you? Why don't you walk in with a set of boxing gloves on? Mate, that'd be <laughs> unbelievable, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tremendous, man. Right, Charlie, you're at Blackpool. When, when do you think, like, I'm ripping this up? What, and, and what was it that made that? Was it just Holloway giving you that freedom to go and do what you liked? No, I never had the freedom to do what people think I did. I was just lucky that I played with good players around me. They listen, in teams everybody's got their own strengths, isn't they? Do you know what I mean? Like your Keith Southerns and that who who would were workhorses, they you know they would they would get the ball and get it to myself and David Vaughan. People like Craney who was just he was a brilliant player, Stephen Craney. Do you know what I mean? He was grasping. Was he an animal channel, huh? Animal, like animal, he'd he he was the one that epitomised the whole club. Like he graft, he would. You wouldn't know now. You won't see him now. But at the time, he was healthy. He wouldn't eat do anything. He loved the drink and that. But he was like on it. If he had had a drink the, the, the next day, he'd be running and all that. He was just a, the ultimate professional. Um, he set the tone really, and he was he was brilliant. We had good good lads, and everybody knew their jobs, and it was great. Do you know what I mean? We had, we had good players that could win his games. Uh, right, Charlie, I want to ask you about the playoff final. Did you sleep the night before it? Um, 
Not yet. No problem. I shared the room with Stephen Crane the night before it. So I, that was always my um, that was always my uh, roommate. I used to share with him every game and every every away trip. So now nah, we slept fine. So it was um, nah, it was brilliant. But uh, on the day it was roasting all. It was just it was a great experience, you know. And then that free kick against Big Marshy, was it? I know. I heard him talking about it the other week. He never gave it justice, did he? Nah, he never actually played it down, didn't he? He didn't play it down. To be fair, I'm lucky. I've scored a foot. I've got a couple against Marshy. I dinked him once, right? Six foot seven he had, and he got dinked on his line for my first goal for Blackpool against Norwich. Go, uh, put it on YouTube, and you'll see it. He, he actually got chipped on his line. Wow, I love that. Oh, what, see, when you hit that free kick, do you notice in straight away? Once it got over the wall, I knew Marshall wasn't again. It was too much of a gap. And, uh, yeah, I knew once I got in there, it was just, fucking hell, scoring at Wembley was unbelievable, you know, everybody there. And I um, never enjoyed the, I never enjoyed the occasion as much as I should have, like, you know, it was just, did you know went, teams were watching you in that game? Did you know there was like teams obviously? No, I, no, I wasn't. Because the thing is, when I signed for Blackpool in the January, I was uh, Middlesbrough tried to sign me. Strachan tried to sign me in the January for two million quid for, for Middlesbrough, and I wanted to go. I'm fucking glad I never went now. Um, but I, through the season, I had a couple of clubs that wanted me, and and then come that summer that we'd signed, um, nobody come in for me. It was only until the January. After I played in the Premier League, that that clubs started to come in, and 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 to be fair, there wasn't many clubs that come in. Which, in hindsight, I was like, it's quite surprised when Liverpool come in. You think you might have five or six options. When it come down to it, I probably only had, you know, Liverpool and Tottenham were the only serious ones that, that wanted to do something. So it was. Um, listen, I, I, cho- I knew I wanted to go to Liverpool as soon as they come in for me. You know. Then you remember what Fergie said about him. Oh, it's something about the corners, wasn't it? A £10 million corners or something, Si? You paid £10 million for his corners? Mate, honestly, I wish he'd said that about me because my corners were fucking hopeless. The fucking hell. <laughs> that white story you told me about Morgan when he told you to bring the corners in, brilliant. <laughs> heard that? That, Charlie, honestly, I'm sitting dinking balls in fucking for the six-year line. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he hadn't set pieces on it the day before a game. I've hardly seen anyone that can do it on the money the day before a game, and then it comes to a game and they can do it. Ty, the, the, one of the best stories that I could tell you, and I swear my kids like this, what, this is what happened, right? Peter Whittingham was, um, was like scoring all the goals for Cardiff, free kicks. He was, his set plays were unbelievable. And um, we were worried about him, like, setting free kicks and that. So we, the day before the game, we trained... Um, and, Near Watford, we trained on this pitch, public park probably. Uh, wouldn't it surprise me, Blackpool. So the bus was over there, and we were hitting free kicks and that. And they were so I've just walked up after the training and finished, hit a free kick, and I bent this one in the top corner, like identical to the one I hit in the following day. Right? I walked up, hit it top corner, and I've walked off the walked straight onto the bus, shouting to the lads, "Listen, don't worry about Peter Whittingham, the big man's here." Right? Walked straight on the bus, sat down. And the lads come on the bus and clapped me when I got on the bus. Like, just like, what happened there? I just walked off, shouted what I shouted, never said a word again. And then the following day, I'd done exactly the same free kick. And it was just, it was incredible that, like you said, the amount of people that they on a Friday, that kind of didn't a Saturday, it's just amazing. But it was lucky for me, both days, Friday, Saturday, was just exactly... Was she on the Saturday? Were you, she, when you got the free kick on the Saturday, did you, did you think uh, training the day before? Did that come into your head? Absolutely, yeah. I visualised... I always do a thing in the game. I always before a game, I visualise what's going to happen in the game, and I think, right, if this happens, what I'm going to be doing that, or this is what should happen. It's just I've always done it with my career, and I knew that 
I was in this position, I thought, right, what did I do, what I'd done yesterday? I'd done the exact same work, step out, routine, everything like that. And luck, luckily for me, it went in the top corners. For me, you know, the best goal I've ever scored, you know. Magic, Charlie. Magic, mate. What a feeling. Did you used to visualise, Slaney? I was about to say something absolutely horrific there, but I bet I'm going to say it, mate. Go on, say it. Charlie, can I just ask you something I've been really, really wanting to know for? See when you and Stephen Kenny were in the room together, what sort of things did you get up to? Oh, fuck. Um, let's, well, we'd have a bit of... Listen, we'd walk about Bollico. Don't worry about that. There'd be nothing like that. <laughs> no, on a Friday, we'd, we'd have a few... There'd be late night racing at the Wolverhampton or something like that, so we'd have a few bets on the room. Um, and, yeah, we'd just... I'd have to make him cut a tea because I was the youngest one, you know? But yeah, we'd have a, we'd a great laugh. Good times. Heroes used to. Right, Liverpool lads. Who phoned you, Charlie? Kenny Dalglish? Um, not my agent called me um, saying that Liverpool had been in. And at the time, Damien Camoli was the director of football. And I was like, okay, now I want to go there. Like, obviously, Kenny was the manager. And we'd played Liverpool. Torres' last ever game for Liverpool. Um, was in the January and I've got I've got his shirt um, that I managed to swap with him in. and after that game they come in for me and said listen we want to take you so I was like fucking I want to get in there so I was like in kicking the door down at the Oysters I went trained at Blackpool I trained and then it was the, this was the last day of the window so I'd been going for ages like I'm not letting you go and everything like that and it was frustrating this was the last day of the window and I went so I said to the manager I said listen we started training 10 minutes in and, I, and it was like getting me nervous and like I was work, getting worked up and I went, fuck this, I ain't, I'm not accepting this. So I walked off training, but just walked straight off, told him, I said, I'm going to sit in chairman's office. And he went, he won't let you go. I said, fuck this. So my missus at the time, she, missus, um, come and pick me up, drove to the stadium, dropped me off. My agent was on his way down for Scotland. And I said, listen, I'm sitting in his office. I'm sitting in the stadium. I'm all leaving until this contract's on the table. I sat in my full gear, Blackpool training gear from about, Half 11 till 10 o'clock at night, never moved. I said, bang on his door, saying, I want to go, I want to go. You're not gone. I am gone. You're not gone. Liverpool offered four million quid or something like that. It wasn't enough at the time, do you know what I mean? And they were, I could see the point of view, but it was going to be worth more than if they get relegated. So it never happened. And then I walked in the next day. And to be fair, the lads were brilliant with me because they were saying, listen, you need to go and see the team. You need to go and sit in his office. You need to try and get this move because the lads were buzzing for you, you know what I mean? And they, they knew it was life-changing. And um, so I just went and sat in the office, come back, next day come in. And, and to be fair, the lads were, were brilliant with me and just said, listen, don't worry about it, you'll get a move in the summer and just keep playing. The manager was the same, just say, keep, keep scoring goals and playing well, you'll get a move. And for me, it happened in the summer, you know. Selene, Charlie went to Kenny Douglas's house, he was sitting in his pyjamas. How good's that? Watching the Masters. Oh, Wow. What were you, see what you, so you were sitting in the house weekend, what were you saying to each other? No, nothing. So, so when I, um, so I got my agents picked me up, gone to his house and that. So I was so nervous going out, driving over to Southport. I was thinking, what, what did I say to him in that? So no, just leave it to me. So I've gone in his house, opened the, he's opened the door in his pyjamas, slippers and that, and his t-shirt. So I've gone in his house and he went, so I went to sit down in that. And he went, do you want a cup of tea in that and coffee? I said, yeah, all right. Okay. He went, um, my missus has been on holiday for a week or so, but tea and coffee's in the kitchen. You make the coffees and the teas and that. He said, and if you look in the biscuit drawer, I'm not sure how long they've been in there, but they might be out of date, so just leave them. So I was sat there like thinking, this can't be right. So eventually he's come in, makes a cup of tea and that, and we sit down and talk about it. 
and he must, I must have been in there for about an hour and a half, and I think over the whole piece he spoke to me for about 15 minutes. The rest of it, he just sat watching the Masters, and I was sat looking at my agent like, because <laughs> he loves his golf, and I was sat looking at my agent like, what's this conversation about? And when we got out there, I, was, I said to him, I said, we never even spoke. He just said, yeah, he just wanted to see you and like, make sure you're all right. And like, That's amazing, eh? Yeah, just like small detail, like just to make sure that the whole disappointment of what happened in the in the January hadn't affected me and that. And he was brilliant, just said, Listen, we wanna keep we wanna get you, we'll get the deal done. And then um for me that it was must have been surreal, Charlie, was it no? Oh, it, was, it was unbelievable. Like Canada released, like obviously we're all Scottish and that, and it was just legend, you know what I mean? But yeah, I that, was like, that was like Big Lee McCulloch's story when he had to drive Bay, uh, Murray Park to Ibrox and Walter Smith. He's like, What the fuck do you say, man? I, 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 well, for the, so so when I obviously went, so then I got, so I'd, I'd gone, I was obviously still contract to Blackpool and having to do pre-season and all that, I was done pre-season. And then we got, to, they were always having a conversation, Blackpool and Liverpool were having a conversation. And I got to a point where there was D-Day, it was, the deal was happening, it wasn't happening. So Damien Camoli and the secretary of the club, the club was meeting Matt Williams, the secretary, and Carol Oyston at the Preston Marriott. And I was sat in my, in my house and I was thinking, saying to my, my missus, I saying like, you know, this, if this does not happen, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Stupid dog. And um, so eventually I got the call saying, deal's done, they agreed, you can go and sign for Liverpool. And I was, I was just, a whole relief was amazing, do you know what I mean? And then that was it. So at the time, I wasn't driving. So I said to my, my mate, I got a call saying, like, four o'clock, I need to be at Liverpool Academy. The next day, four o'clock, you need to be at Liverpool Academy um, for a medical. And I was like... All right, okay. I said, but how am I going to get to Liverpool Academy? So I phones me mate up, who's a bricklayer, right? And I said to him, are you, got, are you driving? He said, yeah, yeah. I says, uh, so where are you? So I'm at work. He I need you to take me over to Liverpool. He says, what fun? So I did a medical at Liverpool. He went, I'm only in my work van. I went, and? So my mate picks me up in his white work van, drives me over to meet Kenny in Liverpool Academy. We always um, shorts and that on his rig boots and that and drops me off in this white van and I get in his, in his Audi and I go off to the to the training ground, um, to Melwood, and then I go to the hospital and I did a medical. My agent's on his way down. It was just, it was brilliant, you know what I mean? Amazing. Kev, have you ever been, have you ever had that when you're stuck in, just in the motor with just you and a manager? It is the worst, man. I don't, um, I don't think fucking I ever gave a manager a lift. I was always banned for drive, driving side. <laughs> <laughs> so, some fucking Sunday. Man, season with the driving. Uh, but no, I've been in a manager's company where I've had to go in here one to one way on a on a on a regular basis. Yeah, on a regular basis. Why am I not Fucking, I met a manager once in a in a in a in a layby and got in his car. He got in my car. Yeah, Was that a dog inside? No. <laughs> I can't say who it was. And. Uh, the, the silence was deafening. It was like, <laughs> what do you say? You're sitting there, a fucking two inches away from your guy, and it's like, how you doing? And it just, just feels really uncomfortable, Si. I'm not yeah. the best in social spaces, the best of time, but sitting with a manager with somebody, you, you don't know what to say. It's very, very difficult. Oh, Charlie, see on Doug Leach, is he a good manager? I can't, does he, I can't imagine he does much coaching, does he? No, he didn't do much coaching. Steve Clark done all the coaching and Kevin Keane. So Steve Clark, Scott manager and that, he was... He was brilliant. Um, Clark, his coaching was, was different class, you know what I mean? Well, would the Godfather, Kenny, would he just stand at the side and watch? Or would yeah, he, 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 no, he'd watch and then at the, come, on a, come at the weekend, like on a 
after his training that he'd go and shoot with the lads he'd do a bit of you know pinging the lads in the goal and that after training a um, couple of penalties and that he'd walk in but he was just he was just he was brilliant do you know what I mean He's got, pure, he's got a dry sense of humour, Kenny Douglas. Very dry sense of humour. A lot of foreign lads didn't really understand what he was saying, but he was, nah, he, he was, he was great with me, and you know, I was, I'm really honoured that he he managed to get me to sign for Liverpool. You know, here, Charlie, see how you're talking earlier about like angry managers and stuff like. That. What was Kenny like when when things didn't go right for Liverpool? Was he an angry man, or how did well, he? No, he'd have a go, and he'd have a go, but. Um, Listen, the players that we had in the dressing room, we knew, we, we'd sort it. The lads would sort it themselves. You know, I was when I went to Liverpool. I was I was overawed. Really, didn't he? Should have expressed myself more, opened up a little bit more, and be the person I am now. Do you know what I mean? Where I'd, I'd have an, I should have an opinion. I didn't really. I felt like because of who was in the dressing room, I'd really never expressed myself enough. Um, you feel like you didn't fit in because you'd come from. Like a lesser club to a big massive club, or oh, when I, when I first walked in dormant, I was so nervous and like like you say going about like what Fergie was. I was like with what Steve with Stevie. Like even though I played in, with oh. Blackpool in the Premier, I felt like is he are they judging me how every pass I make or am I gaining it away? And for the first two days, I was so nervous. And I kept getting the ball away. I was thinking they must have thought, "E shite, what have we signed him for?" Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> it's just that's how you are, and because you look up to these people, do you know what I mean? And it was uh, it was it was tough, but listen, Did Carragher and Gerard run the dressing room, then Charlie? Huh? They were they were the main focal points of the dressing room. Steve was he was quiet. He never wasn't he, You know, he wasn't a, he wouldn't have a go at lads and that. But he'd set the tone of the training and and his presence and his aura and that. But Carragher would be the one that would have a go at the lads. And you know, I remember one time we with him and Bellamy that Bellas was a Bellas was a top guy, like good guy. You know, he was, um, but he was. He was hard in training, like Fergie moaning a lot, and he moaned at John Flanagan one day. And obviously, Flano and Carragher are quite close, I think, in the family side of it, and that other thing. And Bellas had to go at Flano, and, and Carragher fucking lost his head. Don't fucking speak to him like that, and all that, and show respect to him, and everything like that. And it was like, you know, knew that he was the main, Carragher was the main man in the dressing room, and that. And to be fair, Bellas apologised, so it was like, it was good, but Carragher. Love that, Carragher, love that. He was, um, no, he was good, but. There was, there was there was a great story. Bellas was living up here on his own one time, uh, up here, and Mrs. Nat were in Cardiff. So he would sit next to me. So I was he was left of me, and Pepperino was to the right of me. So it was they two between, and I was there. So he'd come in one morning, fucking fuming, like, and I said, what's up with you, Bellas? And he went, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? He says, you know, like, I play FIFA online and that, right? And I says, yeah. I said, I'm hopeless on computers now. He says, like, so you buy these coins and all that, and all these things, got all these players now. Some bastards frauded me. He's like, he took me card and took all my coins off me. And I ended up with a shite team. And it was on his plane in his mind. And like, he's a deep thinker. Eh? And he was fuming for about a week up for it. Like somebody had robbed him online and that. And he was just affecting him every day. He just kept coming in, moaning and all that. And this guy stole all my coins and like everything like that. But it just shows like, it didn't matter what he was doing, he was moaning. Did Dirk Kite is shite as he looked for the outside? Nah, nah. People say he was shite. And I seen that. Gary McKay Steele. Yeah, he, he oh, Gary McKay Steele. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but he, to be fair, he did score a hat trick inside six. The total distance was six yards. I've seen him score a hat trick, honestly. Do you not remember that one for Liverpool? He scored every goal was two yards out. He scored a hat trick. That's all he ever scored to me. Well, like two yards happens, man. But 
it, honestly, but he scored one of the best goals uh, in the Carlin Cup final, straight for the edge of the box. Um, but he was, listen, he was a great guy, Dirk. Um, and, you know, would he say was technically unbelievable? No, but he was, a, he was good. But listen, you don't play for Holland and the teams that he played for if you're bad players. You know what I mean? He was, um, he worked his nuts off. He was a good player, great lad in the dressing room. And uh, no, he was, he was brilliant, you know. But Any thoughts, thoughts on Dirk Kite? Well, he's got the right surname, Dirk Shite, to be honest. <laughs> it's guys like him, uh, James Milner, Duncan Watmore, uh, he's the wingers a bad name. And Charlie, as you said, Dirk Shite, uh, I do believe he might have worked his own eyes. No, not for me. <laughs> that's a pleasing slain dog, isn't it? That is, mate. That's, that's the toughest crack, man. What about the slain dog when I met him in the O2? I mean, he's mate KT. He pied me off, didn't he? No. Oh. <laughs> Charlie, oh, see that night? You know, you... You know, he didn't... I went to speak to KT and he's like, looking at me, he's like, what are you talking to my mate for? What, you, you shouldn't be talking to him. I mean, uh, Jerry Cinnamon. No, Charlie, boy, see, when I was doing there, I swear to God, that was... I actually missed the full show. I couldn't believe it, the amount of birds I was winching that night. It was fucking <laughs> unbelievable. That was brilliant. That was good. Kev, Suarez, talk to me. Sorry, I actually just forgot that Charlie played with Suarez. That must have been fucking incredible because that guy is a, obviously a maniac, but he's a top, top footballer, Charlie. What, t- tell, us, tell us a wee bit about the real Luis Suarez. Know the, know the persona that we see and the, the stupid things that he's done. You've obviously come face-to-face and been in a shared address. What, 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 what can you tell us about Suarez that we wouldn't really understand or, or see? Luis Suarez um, is, was a practical joker. Like, every day, we used to, now and then we'd get the, uh, the doctor and we'd pick him up and at Melwood there was a swimming pool. So, him and Pepe and myself, we'd pick up the doctor at his room and we'd bring him and we'd throw him in the pool and he'd be fuming like, but Louis was always playing like stupid little pranks and all that and he was like a, a team player, do you know what I mean? And that's the thing about him. He, everybody sees this persona. And he, listen, he made a few mistakes when he was in England, but now he, he was just a normal player in the dressing room. Wanted to have a laugh and a joke, you know, and having fun and yeah, nothing, nothing different from anybody else. You know what I mean? You'd never isolate yourself away from anybody else. You'd just be a normal, a, a normal guy having a laugh and a joke. Oh, did it was all- that he used to have his teeth out to dry up all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> is he the best you played with Charlie? The best striker, yeah. He's like, you know, if you he, he could win a game on his own. He's that type of player that he he can score it or nothing. He can win you a game. He's phenomenal. He can look after a back four on his own as a number nine up front. You know, he just he had everything. And talking about like finishing and all that. When I first went there, I was thinking, really erratic finishing. But as the time went on, he improved and his goal-scoring record was unbelievable um, at Liverpool. And he was, a, he was a top player. And some of the, him and Carragher, like, would put lumps at each other every day. Do you know what I mean? Like, just one one to win. And they enjoyed the battle. Um, no, it was good. Love that. Love that. Charlie, who was shite at Liverpool? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we can cut it out. We can cut it out if you're not happy with it. <laughs> Did you play with Big Lovren? No, I never played with Lovren, no. 
Lucky for you. Do you remember that that twat trying to cry from something in his inbox? Aye. Aye. No, I never played with him. I, um, he was after me. I think Brendan signed him. Okay, what about Jordan Henderson, fellow Sunderland legend like yourself? Sorry, do you know what, right? He obviously signed the same time as Charlie, and the fact that he's still there, and the things he's done for Liverpool, and the things he's still doing for Liverpool, and even, I think, if you look at the thing, the, the, the Premiership players come up the other week there about their initiative to try and help the NHS, and the, the amount of uh, captains from other teams, the way they speak highly of Jordan Henderson, his growth from signing the days with Charlie to where he is now is incredible. And I would like to say that I know absolutely nothing about Jordan Henderson at Sunderland because he was just, he'd probably been under like 10s, 11s, 12s, but what a rise from, from where he was to where he is now, Si. Amazing. So, Charlie, tell us in about Jordan Henderson. Right, see, for that side as well, Charlie, for me, he doesn't look like a centre midfielder that can like, absolutely pop the ball out, is he? Well, listen, he's, he's one that, listen, he doesn't, he doesn't drink, he's teetotal like. He's an, a proper athlete. When, when I first signed, I never. I think I played against him when he was at, I was at Blackpool, he was at Sunderland. So he's the only young lad coming in. And it was difficult when he first came in because we were all trying to... We are all fighting for the same position. He played more on, on the right wing when I was there. Um, and it was me, Lucas, Stevie. Uh, we'd play centre midfield. So he never really got that opportunity. And then Brendan, I think, sort of brought him into central midfield. The big thing about Jordan was he was always fit. Do you know what I mean? That was his thing. His fitness was, was massive for him. And over the years, I think he's developed into, listen, a, a top football player. Like, can pass it, can, you know, can, you know, can control it, can, you know. People, people criticise him saying he doesn't pass it enough forward. But in his specific role in the team for Liverpool, he does the right job and he does what he's, he's good at. Do you know what I mean? He plays to his strengths. Um, listen, Liverpool are a better team when he's in their team. Uh, you're, a, so, you're a much better player than him, Charlie. Much better player. Technically, maybe, but you know, it's Henderson. He could only dream of doing things that you could do. He must have sat in training ring. I wish I could do that. That man's got nothing in you. Oh, my good friend Simon Ferry there, proper <laughs> midfield player. All, all round us, I wouldn't he? Correct me, all round him, mate. I could do fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, listen, same what Kev said. Like, from, from, from where he was when I first signed to, to where he is and what he's done now is just phenomenal. And I think he was, I think he should have, he'll get, hopefully, get the player of the year. I think he's been the best player for Liverpool this year. It just shows you, though, like, see, being a loser and a geek, like, no drinking and no going out, it fucking goes a long way, doesn't it? <laughs> it, does, it does, mate, I'm telling you. Listen, everybody's, everybody's different. Like, you know, we all like it. We all, we all enjoy a bevy, now, a, a drink now and then. and so then at the right times, you know, it's the top players all have a drink. They all date, but they date at the right times when they can. If it's the summer holidays, if Jordan he's never done it in his whole career, so why why start doing it now? Do you know what I mean? And um, Milner's the same. So, so wait, you're trying to tell me they win the Champions League and they didn't have a pint after it? No, nothing supposedly. Oh. Ah, they might probably like I don't wait, I don't know. I'm only guessing. You need to ask Robo. Robo might know, but I would. You know, that's what I'm saying about like when I Blackpool when I got promoted. You know, I was in bed for eleven o'clock. Probably never enjoyed the the, the, the Scottish way we normally enjoy it, pints and you know because of the adrenaline that just was just too much at the end. It was just you know I I was knackered. But you know, some people are different. Everybody's different. Do you know what I mean? And um, you know that's why you in the Premier League. Celebrate after the final, Charlie. Huh? 
you didn't celebrate after the playoff final. Oh, I did. I went back to the hotel and that, and had a few beers and like had a few in the dressing room and after the game. But come eleven o'clock, I was knackered and the whole build up and the whole day was just draining. Do you know what I mean? But I know. Lads, I, lost, I lost the semi final of the playoffs. I went on a four day bender. It's fucking no. magic. Listen, we um, funny story about this one when we we beat uh, Nottingham Forest in the semi final and. Um, so Ollie's got on the bus, usual beers on the bus and that, back to the casino in Blackpool. So we get all back, get back in that. So I get pulled at the casino about four or five o'clock. My missus saying, right, you need to get home. So I goes home and that. And um, so Barry Bannon and Stephen Craney stay in the casino. So the day, all night, all day, all night in the casino, back into Lytham. And Crane said at four o'clock on like a day and a half later, his missus in the pub pulling him out with a school kit for the kids in the car, pulling him out, <laughs> saying, you need to come home. And he said to his missus, this is what he said to his missus, I'll be home in an hour. He said, I remember at one point, him and Baz walking through Lytham at five, six o'clock, everybody's in having fish and chips and a tea. And he said, we were swaying side to side all the way through Lytham for a day and a half of being on a drink. Like, and Ollie loved it. He was like, who was the last to finish? And his cranes were telling the story. He says, brilliant. But, Amazing. Uh, you going to give us a Freddie Mercury performance? Come on. Look, i seen the mask here. Give us, give us a wee. I'll do a wee one at the end for you, Si. Oh, well, Selene, have you not got any stories of us in trash or that? Carbon. Trash was a wee bit before my time. I used to go to Silver on a Thursday night. Uh, drink Blue Wickies, Charlie. Unbelievable. Drank all sorts of Blue Wickies. Remember you used to wear the Lion Scott t-shirts? Aye. Oh, mate, I had every single colour of them. And I used to just sit, honestly, the amount of... I was a fiend back then. <laughs> so, Charlie, you've done the documentary. Obviously, we've seen the Sunderland one, Kev's. Yeah. Uh, how strange was it being part of that? Like, How, how intrusive was it? it? It wasn't intrusive. Um, it was just, obviously, they were there and they needed certain times. It was just, you know, when it came out, it just didn't look good, did it? It was a bit... It didn't look good for, the, for anybody, the, the, the players or anything like that, and obviously for Brendan E. He seemed to love it, do you know what I mean? Um, but it was, at the time, it was just, we went with it because it was Liverpool and we, we were just told that was part of what was going to happen, do you know what I mean? Um, it, was when, it was when Sterling answered them back, wasn't it? Remember oh, yeah, I, was, I remember, I was training at the side, I was, I was training the pitch. Um, he hammered them, went for them big time in that. And, but Raheem, 17, 18 years of age, do you know what I mean? Gave him a bit back and he wasn't happy with it. But I think he just tried to stamp his authority there and then and, you know, listen, he had an unlucky time there and, you know, so close to winning the league and he ended up with a, you know, the Celtic job in the end. Did you tell Sterling was going to be special? I was unbelievable. He was different. I actually thought Jordan Ibe was, Jordan Ibe should have done better than what he's done. Um, he had everything, Jordan Ibe, strong, quick, powerful, good player, but just never, just never fulfilled his potential at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Raheem just took his game to a different level and, he was 15, 16, training with the first team then and so quick and direct. And everybody was worried that, you know, if he technically was he good enough, but Pep's obviously worked with him, Brendan's worked with him and he's, you know, he's improved himself, you know. Kev, did you watch it? Do you remember it? I do remember it, Si. I remember, remember bits of it. I remember obviously the envelope thing. Was it no that he put an envelope into something today with the... I obviously was. I must have been one of them in that envelope. <laughs> I can't wait to get rid of me. I heard Charlie, you were the name in all three envelopes. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. 
Oh, did you ever find out if Jake, there was a name in the envelope? There was nothing in there. It was just, I mean, all that was was just to try and put the, the feelers into lads and say, listen, you know, if anybody wants to go on their own journey, just go and do what you want to do, but we all need to stick together. And I think that's what that was. But Do you think Brendan regrets that? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. But you learn by experience. He was, on, he was only 39 at the time, you know. You learn from experiences. He's a better manager now than he was when he was at Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? But to get the Liverpool job such a young age was, was incredible. And, you know, obviously Celtic got the, a better Brendan Rodgers and now Leicester are getting an even better Brendan Rodgers, you know. Golly, is he world class? Um, listen, he's a, good, he's a good manager. He's a good, ma- he's a good, good coach. Um, I probably never worked... Enough, a long enough way him to, to know what he was like but his record at Celtic speaks for itself what he's done at Leicester is good you know he was unlucky at Liverpool so yeah listen he's a you know top manager yeah Slaney did you see the thing he had uh, Brendan had a picture of himself in his living room have you got one of them as well <laughs> no way I love Brendan Rodgers but it does kind of remind me Charlie you might you might agree with me he's kind of like David Brent a wee bit do you think so what they love to sell on that just the way he speaks and all that. Listen, he's got a persona and he's got a way of, of being the way he is, you know what I mean? And um, like I said before, you learn from experiences that, you you know, previously what he's done, I don't think he's the same manager he was before Liverpool. Um, but, you know, I never had enough time with him. Um, and, you know, how I, how, I had, how I left Liverpool was, uh, was, was disappointing. And that's, that's how I always remember, you know, Brendan. Wait, what paintings have you got up in your living room? George Slane painting themselves? George Slane, my ma. They, they actually, they, every night in my house, because it's locked down, they're actually doing the Titanic scene now where my ma paints my dad, my dad paints my ma. I don't know what. And they make us free watch them. The other kids have to watch them and enjoy it. So that's what we're doing at the moment, Simon. Do they two still talk <laughs> each other, Slane? Mate, I don't know if I still... I don't know if I still... I took them away. I've not heard that going on for a wee while now. Really? <laughs> I don't know, mate, because when we were going up... today. What? He's not calling you Si, he's calling you Simon. It must be getting to him, eh? No, so I, Jenny, I'm trying to break the mould of me saying Si. Break the mould, Si. Do I need to say Simon? Si. Ah, you're doing well, Slaney. Much better, isn't it? Here's one for you, Slaney. If you can pick your mum to be cheating on your dad with anyone in Scottish football, who would it be? Gordon DL. <laughs> <laughs> you know who they like Chris on? Have you seen him the pictures of him? <laughs> what a man! Have you seen him light cycling around the streets? What the new? No, oh. oh, would they like Chris on that? Somebody was just seen on Twitter and that him like socks over the ankles and like, over a. I was cycling in my house. Oh. Wait, did you know have a pair of socks in the front of his shorts as well, Charlie? <laughs> 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 Wait, you know Gordon Dale, didn't your pals on? Unbelievable, mate. We used to do coaching drills, and that. he used to go back to me every day. Slaney boy, Moon, I'll show you the Man City drill or the Real Madrid drill. Mate, and he just put it on. It was like a fucking... All it was was a pa- They just passed each other, and they just carried on. It was a Real Madrid drill. But what a guy. I love Big Gordon. You know. Right, Charlie, just Peter Crouch, obviously. He's killing us in the podcast. Charles. He's the only guy that can beat us, man. Yeah. Is there any, like, any we can come for him about? That we can bring him, bring him down a bit? Nah, he, listen. Crouch is one of the, the, the best guys that I've... He's an old one, loves a bevy, like... Does he, yeah? Oh, loves it, like... Even when we were playing, like... You know, always up for... Have a night out, you know, even after a game, you know, he'd be having a beer in the house and that. He's, he's a top lad, top guy, and, you know, just... 
listen, he's just done unbelievable. He? Everybody loves him, and that's that's the thing. That's why he's he's so good, you know. Did you ever go around Tizen Abbey's? No, I've never been around Tizen Abbey's. Never. I've, I've, we've had a few invites, but he's in Lon- he lives in London, isn't he? So it's it is tough. But now nah, he's um, still speak to him now quite a bit, and you know he's a big golfer. He likes to play his golf and that. So but see when we. We're going to, obviously, when we, we I honestly think we're a ball here away from breaking into England. So, Peter, it's going to get very messy, I think, we're in Peter Crouch. Wait, so, who, who in England do you want? Well, what I'm going Charlie, what I want is, for a start, is I'm going to come down and uh, totally change soccer to him. Uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll change it and then leave. That has been a shambles for, for a long, long time. And then we'll take care of the game because what's happened in Scotland, we've done it that much now. We've completed Scotland to say the least. And uh, we need fresh ideas. And as I said, we, Dave Jones, it's a life out of me. So I will start with him. And then, Charlie, I don't know how, I don't know how we'll go about it, but certainly there'll be a big noise coming for Open Gold down south. Charlie, who do you think would be worth us getting? Who would be, who, who'd be a good character that you've met over the years that would be good then? Bullard. Oh, Bullard and Slaney. Bullard and Slaney. Come on. Yeah, he'll come on. I'll, I can speak to him if you want. He'll definitely come on. Oh, what a legend. Bullard is unbelievable. You got any Bullard stories, Charlie, nah? Oh, um, oh, loads. So, I'm playing golf with him in Portugal about two years ago, um, my mate. So, we go and play Kinta. And um, so, I said to him, so we're going around the golf course having a few beers and that, half cut. So he just said to me, this is at the blue, right? Uh, don't know if any of you know it. Do you know Kenton Delago any is? Paul, you know it. We are all skin, Charlie. So we're, we're, playing, we're playing golf in that, and we're playing, we're playing one of the courses. And at the blue, he just said, right, I'm just going to keep driving this buggy until I hit something, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, whatever, mate. Yeah, so him and my mate are in this buggy filming it, right? So they just keep driving, going through the, the golf course, going down. So on one of the holes, you go from 16 to 17, but you have to go like through like a uh, few couple of streets. You need to go down a street in that, turn right, and then the next hole's on the hangy. So he just says, I ain't stopping until I hit something. So he goes round the corner, comes right, he goes, goes straight on the lamppost. He says, and he's shouting in the car, I ain't stopping until I hit this lamppost. They put the golf cart right through the lamppost, mate. Broke the, broke the cart. Paralytic, the cart falls over and all that, beer everywhere. And I said, Oh no, what's going to happen here? So we finished the round and I said, What are we doing? So we're having a few beers at the golf. And uh, my missus said to me, Where are you? So I'm just having a few beers, pull out here and that, blah, blah. So I said, Right, taxi's here. So I get in a taxi and he gets in his taxi on his own, like, like thinking he's going home. But he follows my taxi with my, me and my mates to my house, to, my, to the villa. So I'm, I'm there. Um, get get into the side of the pool and that, um, not even no knowing, I leave the front door open, he comes running and dies straight in my swimming pool. I didn't even know, he'd never met my missus in my life, kids are everywhere, and he dies straight in my swimming pool, and I'm like, he's just unbelievable, and he just sat for about two hours just drinking gin and all that, and just, he was brilliant, but he's definitely one you should get on. Well, what a hero, man, hero. Uh, right, last question, what about Big Ann out of it? What's he like? No, Big no. man's having himself, on you? He is having himself. He's listening top player and that, and I think I still believe that he should have been playing for one of the big clubs in England instead of going to to Russia. Um, you know, went through West Ham. He should have went to could have went to Chelsea, Man United. He's good enough for that. Listen, he is a lunatic. Um, you know, he 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 bought himself Rolls Royce, Rafe, right? Yeah. Just two hundred fifty grand turned up at Stoke, bought this car, and. And um, so we're like, oh, nice black and that. Come in. Three days later, come in. He'd wrapped it red. 
Just wrapped, wrapped up red like Rafe, and I was like, he was just, that's just the type of guy he was. But he was a top guy on the pitch in the dressing room. He'd have a laugh with him and that, and he, you know, he was really, he was good. Charlie, what about Tony Pulis? Oh, I never really, any, um, I didn't really yeah, get on them. Ah, dinosaur. Terrible. Why, why, just, why did no one tell him to stop dressing like an eight-year-old boy on the side uh, of the pitch? That's terrible, wasn't it? But he was, he just, I, when he signed me, after like, obviously, I'd, I'd signed and after four months, I'd went through a few problems at home and that with dad and things like that. And then in the January, he just pulled me in and went, I don't think this is working for us. Don't want to think it's working for you. You can go. And I was like, fucking hell, it's a bit of a shock. I've got a four-year deal here. So he just signed me in that. And he's like, nah, you can go. And I, luckily, the only thing that saved me was because I'd played for Liverpool in the Europa League, you couldn't sign for, you couldn't play for three clubs in one season. Right. So then I had to sit it out all season. So then he bombed me out from the December right to like March or something like that. We were struggling near the relegation. He brought me in at QPR. We won 2-0. Um, and, and I played every game to the end of the season. Then he got the bullet. Uh, and then Mark Hughes came in and then that was it really. But nah, it was it was a chore going into training every day with the training and that. Well, is the tactics just leather the ball the pitch? Or? Leather the ball the pitch. Don't even like you play on a Saturday, and by the Tuesday, you'd know if you were playing the following Saturday. That's how that's how boring it was. You know what I mean? Oh. Just like honestly, the goalie get the ball, throw it to the fullback, and the first thing you say, right, hit the big man, hit Crouch on a diagonal. That's all you would do. Crouchy's oh. better than that as well, mate. Get the ball feet. You can get the ball into his feet, mate. I would just when and then they put me in the number ten. He just I used to just follow him around. They used to call me him and me and just call me Rafa van der Vaart and Big Crouchy. That's what he used to call us, Rafa and Crouchy. <laughs> but he was, well, see, before we end here, can you? I know it's very difficult. Can you give me uh, top five players you've played with and against, even even to three, three each. Three. Suarez, Gerard, and who? Fergie. Suarez, Gerard, and best players I've played with. Um, Rory Delap. <laughs> <laughs> what a throw in. Glenn, Glenn Johnson was, was unbelievable. Was he? Aye. Yeah, unbelievable, technically unbelievable for, for a full back. Made both feet like he could spank it with both feet, couldn't you? Huh? He could play, he could should he could should still be playing now. He just he made enough dough in that and just I fell out of love with the game and just like you know could easily still be playing now. Uh, he was that good. You know? Well, who's your, okay, I, I'll ask you just one player. Who's the hardest player you've played against? I always had a tough time against Scott Parker. Like, everybody said, like, listen, I'm lucky I played against the best ones, you know, Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, you know, them all. But as a whole game, like, fucking, he was like a rash on Scott Parker. Horrible. Oh, wait, I've just thought of one. What about your man, Berahino? Is he a scuba? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That wee guy does not give a fuck. No, he doesn't. Listen, I know he had a tough upbringing in that, but for me... He was just. He was my. Was Glenn one. Johnson right? What you said about Berahino? Absolutely. He used to. He used to like what I don't understand about him. Right? Is you know what it's like. Yeah, we've been in the dressing room and that, and you know he lived one. He was one of the lads that lived the closest to the training ground, and he'd fit, and he and he'd rock up five minutes, ten minutes late, right? But it was never his fault. 
We said, well, leave your house 10 minutes earlier. He went, no, I leave it this time every day. I said, but you, you, you know, just... In the last, there's no talking to him, no. And he's like, the lads just gave up. And, you know, it can always come for the players and the players all the time. But there's some point where you think, fuck you, do you know what I mean? Why are we wasting our breath on you? And that's where it got, do you know what I mean? We just, we just gave up as a, as a group thinking, fucking, if you don't want to do it, there's no point, do you know what I mean? Is he a talented kid as well, Charlie? Can he play? Um... I could see why, you know, some clubs, Tottenham tried to sign him and that, but I, me personally, I think there was bigger issues as in people around them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, what I always say to young players is when you, when you, when you make sure you surround yourself with good people that are going to be best for your career. And I just don't think he had that right people around them. Do you know what I mean? The penny might drop soon. He's still only, he's still only young. It might drop. I know he's in playing in Belgium and he's done all right, but, the penny hopefully will drop from him and hopefully he can have a decent career, you know. That's us, lads. Before we go, Freddie Mercury, are we getting a Freddie Mercury? Want to be Freddie Mercury performing? Oh, yeah, have you got a Hoover? Oh, Get the Hoover. Day I want to break free. <laughs> Let me see. Mum! Ah, oh, she's no in. I'll keep that for when me and my mal day we back because we've got a Pat Butcher mask coming as well, so I'll do Freddie. Right, that's us, lads. Charlie, thanks very much, Oh, lads, thank you very much. When the city is your campus, inspiration can hit at any time. But when the unprecedented occurs, things can go from inspiring to... Alan, you take my charger again? Don't worry. At DBS, we've got hybrid learning and student experience coverage. Find the perfect blend for your learning and live the best of both worlds. Visit dbs.ie to learn more. At Centra, we have everything you need. Like Centra selected fresh Irish meats, mix and match any three for ten euro. Walker's Crisp 6-Pack, 150 gram, better than half price, now €1.22. And until Sunday, Rockshore Original R-Light 20-Bottle Box, €19.68 each. Centra. Live every day. Enjoy call sensibly. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.